Good morning and welcome to Get Up With God. It's great to see you this morning. I'm your host, Dylan Maverick, and I'll be with you with six points at 6 a.m. Today's episode is powerful. We're going through Jesus, the Savior of the world. That's going to be our lesson today. Who Jesus is, the Savior of the world. I'm excited about this because when I talk about Jesus, I can't get anything but excited. I'm a super pumped to talk to you about today's devotional. So grab a Bible, grab a notepad, grab a uh, maybe grab a coffee, sit back, enjoy the show as we go into today's devotional. It's a great way to start your day. If you don't know any other way to start your day, you can start right here with us live at 6 a.m. or you can rewatch it later in your day. But I can't think of a better way to start my day than to read the word, get into fellowship with people, like-minded people like you, but to study the word of God. So let's get into this. Today's study, Jesus, the Savior of the world. Point number one. Point number one is that Jesus is the, uh, let's start with this. Point number one, the fall of man. He is the Savior of the world. But point number one is the fall of man. Sorry about the confusion there. I pressed the wrong button. Point number one is let's start with the fall of man. If you'll turn with me into Genesis chapter two, we can understand and learn and read about the fall of man and what happened at the dawn of time and how Jesus came into the picture and what happened for the necessity of Jesus that came into the picture. Now, something that's interesting that I want to talk about is that even during this time, during the fall of man, Jesus was still in the picture. Jesus was around John one and one. Actually, we don't have to turn there, but in John 1 and 1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was God. Then if you drop down in that verse in chapter 1, if you drop down later in in chapter 1 of, of John, it says, then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So even in the beginning, we know in Genesis 1 and Genesis chapter 2, that even in the beginning, Jesus was present and on the scene. Let me just turn there real quick. You don't have to turn there. But I might have some doubting minds or conspiring minds behind the scenes somewhere that don't believe that Jesus was on the scene in the beginning. But John 1 and 1, this is the, the gospel of John, says, In the beginning was the word. When? In the beginning. The beginning of things. And this is the same context, even though written in Greek. This was the same context written back in Hebrew, uh, Hebrew in Genesis chapter 1 when it was translated, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So Jesus is not separate from God, even though they're two different beings. We have Jesus, the son of God, but the word is God. So they're one and the same. Then jump down to verse 14. It says, then the word became flesh and dwelt among us, came and dwelt among the people. So even though the word was in heaven in the beginning, who is Jesus, the word came up, came to us and dwelt among us and uh, lived among people. And we'll get into understanding that. But in Genesis chapter 2 and 15, we're talking about point number one, the fall of man. Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. So within the first moments of existence of humanity, God gives a human command over the place that God created for him. He said, I want you to tend it or, or I want you to dress it is what the original context is or what the original text is. I want you to dress it and I want you to keep it in Greek. These two terms for tending or to, to dress it is a bod, which is meaning to serve, 
to uh, put your life around it, be, be in the midst of it, and to take care of it. And then he said to keep it, which is shamar, the Hebrew word shamar, which means, and I'm, I might not be giving the proper pronunciation, but the word shamar, which means to watch and refrain from certain things within it. So in other words, he's you're keeping yourself from certain things and you're keeping the garden from encountering certain things. It is a, uh, a necessary part of the human race was to take care of this garden, to make sure the garden uh, stayed the way it was supposed to. But immediately the fall of man came from this point in the garden when Adam was in the garden, Eve was in the garden, he created God created Eve woman from a man's from the man's rib. They de- decided not to follow these commands, long story short, and they uh, disobeyed God, ate of the tree of the of knowledge of good and evil, and the, the fall of man came upon us. And it was necessary at that time for Jesus to descend from heaven, from his place in heaven, from his throne in heaven, to descend on the earth to do what man could not do, because from Genesis all the way until the moment that Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, really three days after that, and he defeated the cross, defeated death, hell, and the grave. Up until that point from Genesis chapter 1, all the way till the moment Jesus resurrected, there was man constantly trying to fill the void of the fall of man from the origin of time. Sacrifices were being made. There was temples and tabernacles for the priests to go into to make people right before God. And none of it completely blotted out what people had done. All it did was cover up so that they could present themselves to God and still wasn't made right. But it wasn't until Jesus came that the power that he had uh, unleashed on the earth did the work that man could not do. Point number two, point number two, everything in humanity hinges upon Christianity. Everything in humanity hinges upon Christianity. This is an interesting point for me. I wrote this down because it's it's not a Christianity is not another uh, you know another religion. Christianity isn't just another religion that we uh, that we follow or that we participate in. Christianity is the lifestyle that a human takes on when they accept Christ as their savior. That's a good line. You should write that down. Christianity is the life that you take on when you receive Jesus Christ as your savior and your Lord. It's important to add that in there. He's Lord and he's savior. He saves you. But Christianity is not just another religion. It's not just another type of thing that people choose to to devote their life to like a extracurricular activity in their life because it's good and moral. It is those things. It is good. It is moral. But Christianity isn't just another religion. Christianity is the foundation of your life being bought by Christ. There is no other religion. Other religions are just exactly that, religion. It's just ritualistic activities that people do to fall into a sect of people. But that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is the devotion of giving up your own life and taking on the life of Christ and the obedience to your new Lord and Savior, who who he is. Point number three, you needed Jesus. The world needed Jesus. They couldn't do this on their own. In fact, point three and four kind of go together. But point number three, you needed Jesus. 
Jesus, we had a need for Jesus to come down to help us in our time of need, to help us in our place of life that we couldn't uh, reach the highest level that we possibly could. We needed Jesus. The world needs Jesus and you needed Jesus. So it's not that we Jesus came down because there was no need for him. There was an absolute necessity for him to step in where we failed. Turn into Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. There was an absolute necessity for Jesus to come in and step into our life because we could not accomplish the things that needed to be done. God said to us, I want you to take care of the things on this earth. I want you to stay away from certain things, and I want you to do and accomplish other things. And we couldn't do that. We couldn't handle that. Humanity refused to do it. So God had to look over to the spotless, pure son that he had that sat with him in heaven. And he said to Jesus, I need you to go to the earth to do what these humans that I created, that I love, to do for them and accomplish what I sent them there to do and to accomplish and then return and let them fulfill the rest of their days on this earth that I will eventually destroy. (laughs) But I want them with me in heaven, the ones that will accept this work. So let me repeat that to you. God said to, to Jesus in heaven, he said, the Bible says that God sent his only son. It wasn't that Jesus took it upon himself only. It, this came from God, God the Father, Jesus the Son of God. God said to Jesus, I'm sending you to the earth to do and accomplish what humanity could not do and accomplish on their own. However, I'm not going to send you as a being that can do things beyond what humanity can do. I'm going to send you as a being, a human being, that has the same restraints, same restrictions, same flaws, everything else that a human does, but you're going to conquer it. You're going to do better than they do and prove that it can be done because you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, the, 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 the tribe, the, the, uh, uh, the, the tri-head, God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. Jesus came to earth, and only when he was filled with the Holy Ghost did he accomplish the works that we see him accomplish through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It wasn't until he was baptized in the River Jordan that his ministry started when he was 30 years old. So it took Jesus coming to the earth, leaving what he had in heaven, and not taking with him the power of the authority that he had. No, he had to gain that back through his walk here on earth. Let me show you this. Point number four. Point number four. Jesus is not a solution. He is the solution. There is no other solution besides Jesus. Jesus is the solution. You know, there's a lot of people that believe in certain prophets that walked on the earth, certain high-level beings that had a great impact on humanity. And there was a lot of people that had a great impact, a major impact on humanity itself while they walked on the earth. However, every single other person that has walked on this earth flawed two things or or was missing two things that Jesus had that they will never have. Number one was he was the son of God that walked flawlessly on this earth. He walked absolutely perfectly perfectly, never had an imperfection, 
was born into humanity just like every other man and woman was born into humanity through the womb of a woman, entered into this world the same way every other person did, walked this earth completely sinless, did not fall into any sin, was tempted by sin, and yet stayed true to the course, which is why he remains the true holy God, which why he remains the true holy son of God and is the only one qualified to have our knee bowed to, is the only one qualified to rem- to for us to recognize as the true son of God because of what he was able to do on this earth that no other human has, will be able to do in the rest of time while this earth exists. Is he walked blamelessly, perfectly, completely spotless, no blemish, completely pure, from heaven to earth, back to heaven without flaw. And he proved to humanity that without any extra ability, you could do it on this earth. Let me show you this. Turn to Philippians. I told you chapter two. It's important to understand this, that point number five, let me get to this point. Number five, Jesus had to leave heaven to do what man could not do. And let me tell you, let me, let me go further with this. Jesus not only had to leave heaven, he had to leave his heavenly body behind. He had to, he had to leave behind him who he was in heaven. He had to leave behind his, his supernatural power of being the son of God and walk the earth as a human to defeat what humans did to the earth. To overcome that, he had to do it as a human, not as a supernatural being. I'm going to prove that to you. Through Philippians 2, what Paul explains to the church here. Philippians 2 and 5 said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So the mindset that Paul's about to explain to us is the mindset that apparently was in Jesus before Jesus came and as Jesus came to this earth. Let no mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, that who... Jesus, who, talking about Jesus, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So Jesus was equal, is today equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So when he came to this earth, he stripped off his mighty power that he had, came as a bondservant. He was no longer an authority, stripped himself of those things, came to the earth as a human being, did no miracle, did no supernatural thing from the time he was born to the time he was 30 years old, did nothing supernatural until the day he turned, I don't know if it was the day he turned 30, until he was 30 years old was baptized in the River Jordan by the John the Baptist and was filled and infilled with the Holy Ghost did his supernatural ministry start to be able to do and accomplish the things that we have been imparted with the Holy Ghost to do and accomplish now here on the earth. So it wasn't until he was filled with the Holy Ghost. He didn't have some supernatural ability walking around this earth. He laid aside his reputation. He did not take with him his reputation. And he took on the, the form of a bondservant coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death as his, and also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. 
So because of the ability that he stripped off this power, the, the, the fact that he stripped off his ability, his power that he had in heaven to come to this earth, walk around as a human like me and you do, the fact that he did that has a, and, and went to the cross through obedience, humbled himself, the Bible says, was obedient to God. Remember his struggle in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember him sitting there or praying there or kneeling there and praying to God, said, God, if it be your will, let this pass from, let, 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 get rid of this obstacle, this, uh, this, this responsibility that I have to go and do. Let this pass from me. If not, otherwise, if it's not your will, I will go and do it. I will be obedient to it. I will answer the call. I will go forth and accomplish this thing and do what you've asked me to do. I'll do it. I'll be obedient to it. But he said, if not, let it go from me. It was a struggle for him, but he humbled himself. So it wasn't that he he just desired to go and do it. He had to humble, force his flesh down and be obedient to God and do what God asked him to do, which was go to the cross for me and for you. And because of this, because of what he did, he now has a name that's above every name, has an authority that's above every authority. He is a king above every king because of his ability to walk this earth pure, to descend pure and to leave pure, to descend blameless. And now we'll stand around in heaven. We'll stand in heaven. And for all the rest of our days on this earth, for eternity to come, and while we remain here, we exalt the name of Jesus because of who he is and what he's done. Because he was able to do what humanity was not able to do. And even took upon himself the responsibility to redeem humanity back to him. To take back humanity. To give it back to God. Because he did what we could not do. Powerful, powerful. So point number five, Jesus had to do what humanity could not do. He had to take on the responsibility of things that we could not accomplish and do them to prove to humanity you can walk blameless. Not only am I going to command you to do so, I'm going to empower you to do so, which is what we see in Acts chapter one. We get or Acts chapter one and two, where he says, you're going to be filled with this Holy Spirit. I'm going to leave with you a power and ability to do and accomplish the things that I've told you to go and do, the things that I've commanded you to go and do. People need to understand the scripture. This is not something that was left behind or something that was for a different church at a different time. That was for you and for me. Nothing has changed since the book of Acts. The next thing to come in the story, the book, the outline of Christianity is the return of our king, the return of our savior, the return of our hero, Jesus Christ, will come back to save us. And well, he's already saved us from death, hell, and the grave, but he's going to come back and, and bring us to heaven with him in a wonderful catching away of all of his church that have found, he has found faithful. Exciting. Glory to God. We're going to be a part of that. But now point number six, point number six, the name of Jesus, the wonderful, powerful name of Jesus above every name, no other prophet, no other religious leader, no other dictator, no other person in history, no world leader, no religious leader, no dictator, no name has power or standing, or stature, 
above the name of Jesus. Jesus' name reigns supreme over every name. He's not just another man. He's not just a prophet that walked on the earth, though he was a prophet. He's not just a religious leader, though he was a religious leader. He's Jesus Christ, the name that reigns supreme over every name. A name that every knee on this earth, whether you like or don't like, whether you agree or don't agree, whether you pretend, don't pretend, whether it's a part of your religious beliefs or not, your knee will bow to the name of Jesus upon the return of our King on this earth. We owe our lives to him. Listen to this in Philippians 2, verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those under the earth, those in heaven, those on the earth, and that every tongue, whether you do it now or you do it in the life to come or you do it later in life, every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You have no choice about it. There won't be a time that you deny it. You don't have to believe Jesus right now. There's nobody forcing your hand. You don't have to take time to go to church and celebrate your king, celebrate your God, be a part of his family. You don't have to do that. But there will come a time where you have no choice but to recognize and place your your belief, place your eyes upon the king who did what no man could do. Who, who gave the ability of humanity to be able to stand before God Almighty and look at God in the eyes as a right standing being, not, not because of anything you could do, but because of the work and the blameless walk that Jesus had while on this earth. That's what Jesus did for us. The name of Jesus above every name, the authority above every authority, power above every power. Every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. Because when we go to heaven, we're going to see Jesus sitting on the throne, the rightful place that he should have never had to leave. Death is squashed under his feet. The imprint of death left on his sandal from what happened on this earth. Left behind, diminished, completely squashed. And we'll look upon our Jesus. We'll look upon our King. And we'll thank him once again for what he's done on this earth. Walked for me and for you. Came down, left his place of authority. Like the CEO of a major company. Even though that's even too small to even recognize Jesus as. But to put it in our, our context. Like a major CEO of a company stepping down to the ground floor. Coming down, walking amongst his people. Proving to each one of them. Taking their hand, walking them through life. Showing them that we can do this. Empowering us to be able to do what he's called us to do. And just like that, reascending into heaven without any proof other than the marks in his hands on his body. He left everything behind on this earth. He didn't take anything with him except the scars that he has from me and for you. Hope this helped you today. This has been a great series. Jesus, the savior of the world. Love you. Be blessed. Catch me on the next episode. Be sure to subscribe, follow if you haven't yet. This was a great morning and I hope it blessed you. Be sure to follow on my pages. If you haven't, go to my Facebook page. You can go to my Instagram page. You can go to my YouTube. Be sure to subscribe. We're on the race to a thousand and we're going to be, uh, 
be there before you know it. I love you. Be blessed. I'll talk to you soon.